Welcome to the Sermon Podcast of First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ of St. Paul, located in Matamidi, Minnesota. We are a suburban congregation united in Christ and grounded in the values of diversity, solidarity, and witness. You can learn more about us by going to fccstpaul.org. Here is this week's sermon. Our text today comes from the 20th chapter of the Gospel of John, verses 19 through 31. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord, and Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was also called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, the disciples were again in the house and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out to your, out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other things in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the word of God for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. What does God need with a spaceship? Those were the words that were uttered by the immortal James T. Kirk of the Starship Enterprise in the fifth of the Star Trek movies, uh, The Final Frontier. Now, I gotta be honest, it is one of my least favorite of the Star Trek movies, but it had a good line. The focus was on finding God, and we're introduced to this character named Cybok, which we learn is the brother of Spock, the science officer. And these are two very different siblings. Where Spock sought to follow the ways of logic, Cybok rejected it. Because Spock was part human, he worked very hard to be the strongest and best Vulcan that he could be. And Cybok was fully Vulcan. And he was more emotional, and he had a sense of the spiritual. In fact, 
as I said earlier, the focus of this whole movie was searching for God. And he had the ability to sense people's emotions and manipulate them to his will. Long story short, the pivotal moment of the movie is when the Enterprise goes to what is considered the edge of the galaxy. And we meet this strange being, very large, that communicates with Cybok. At some point, this god said that he needed a spaceship to travel to the rest of the galaxy. I guess probably to spread the good news. And all the while, while Cybok and this god were talking, you could see Kirk had this annoyed and questioning look on his face. And out of nowhere, he finally says, excuse me, but why does God need a starship? And he asked this actually twice. He found it incredulous that this God would actually need a starship. Couldn't this God go wherever needed to be gone? Well, God was a little upset that Kirk would challenge him, and he attacks Kirk. And what we learn is that by asking this question, Kirk was able to determine the heart of this so-called God. And we learn that this God isn't nice, but manipulative, vindictive, and means to harm people. We learn, ultimately, that this God is not interested in relationship, but wants to rule over people. And Kirk's doubt was able to pull the mask off of this false God. This is the second Sunday in the season of Easter. And that means that, of course, on this Sunday, we seem to always, almost always, focus on Thomas or I should say, Doubting Thomas. Now for centuries, we have made Thomas this example of what we should not do. And we fault him for not believing the other disciples when they told him that Jesus was no longer in the grave, but alive. Why couldn't he believe that Jesus was alive? And why did he have to question? Why in the world did he have to put up such a fuss? Thomas is made out to be an outlier in this story. And we see him as this poor, pathetic unbeliever that just needs to get right with God and believe. But the thing is, if you were told a story that someone that you knew had come back to life, probably the first thing you're going to do is ask a lot of questions. Because if you aren't asking questions, there's a bit of a problem. So, let's set the scene. The disciples are in this locked room. They are afraid. Now, they have heard from Mary that Jesus has risen from the dead. But they're still in this locked room because they knew what happened to Jesus. Jesus died. And they were not going to take any chances. But then, through this locked door, Jesus appears. 
And Jesus knows that they are afraid. He breathes on them, which is a sign of giving them the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit that will ultimately empower these disciples to become the church. And Jesus met them. He knew what they were feeling, and he gave them what he needed, what they needed at that moment, which was relief, a sense of peace in this time of fear and of confusion. They now believe that Jesus is alive. They've seen it with their own eyes, just as Mary said. But one of the disciples wasn't there, Thomas. And we have no idea why he wasn't there. All we know is that he was not there. And when he comes back, the other disciples tell him the good news, that Jesus is alive. They have seen him. He is not dead. He has risen from the dead. But Thomas has questions. He knows that Jesus is dead. He probably saw Jesus die. He knows that Joseph of Arithmea and Nicodemus had placed Jesus in a tomb. The fact is, he saw Jesus dead. And unless there was some proof that Jesus was actually alive and not dead, he wasn't going to believe. And actually, he, he decided to make this even put the stakes even higher. If he could not even see the marks on his hands, on his sides that showed the suffering, he wasn't going to believe. Of course, this is where we judge poor Thomas because we want to say, why didn't he just accept what his friends said at face value? But Thomas did not want secondhand commentary. Jesus was his friend. Jesus was someone he knew intimately. He wanted to have that relationship. He had a relationship with Jesus and he saw it violently end and he would love to have it again. But he was not going to believe unless he could actually meet Jesus again. So a few days later, Jesus appears to all of his disciples, Thomas included, and Jesus tells him to touch the wounds in his hands and on his side, and he tells Jesus, he tells Thomas, you don't have to doubt anymore, believe. So many times throughout the book of John, Jesus meets people, and he is faced, either directly or indirectly, with a question. Can anything good comes from Nazareth? That's what Nathaniel asked in the beginning of the book. And Jesus answered him, and Nathaniel then joined and became a disciple. How can a man be born again is what Nicodemus asked. And how is it that you, a Jew, would ask me a Samaritan for a drink, says the woman at the well. All of them asked questions because they wanted something more, because they knew that there was something more to this person and they wanted to remain. During this season of Easter, we celebrate Jesus rising from the dead. Jesus is not stuck in a tomb. We don't talk 
about the resurrection as if it's some flimsy metaphor, as if it was just spiritual. We believe that it happened. Jesus is alive. But not everyone knows this. And not everyone believes this. The only way that people get to know Jesus, especially now, after Jesus has ascended into heaven, is to have a relationship with Jesus. And for that to happen, they have to have relationships with other people. People like us, who are Christians, that can hear their questions and that can invite them on the journey so that they too can experience Jesus. John 20 ends with these following words, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing you will have life in his name. Jesus today might not magically appear to us or to others, but Jesus can appear to people through you and I, we who are the modern disciples, as we meet others, they have a chance to see the risen Jesus. It is through the reading of the word, the sharing of the bread and the cup. It is through our witness when we perform acts of charity and justice that we hope that it opens a door so that people can see the risen savior. So as we continue through this season of Easter, let us be willing to tell others about Jesus, that Jesus is alive. And let us be willing to handle their questions because questions tell people if this God of love really exists. And when we are able to enter into those questions, people are able to have a deeper relationship with the Savior of the world. Happy Easter, everyone. Thanks be to God. Amen. We hope today's sermon podcast was nourishment to your soul. If you'd like to know more about First Christian Church of St. Paul, please visit our website at fccstpaul.org. That's F-C-C-S-A-I-N-T-P-A-U-L.org. May God be with you in the coming week.